Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into the show on this Friday, August 18th edition of Hoist the Colors. We are live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on Twitter, or X, whatever they call it now, live on the IBX Media app. Download it now if you haven't yet. Uh, check us out, easy click. You can also listen to the Patrick Johnson show, Talk of the Town, everything on Interbanks Media on the IBX Media app. And also, if you got any questions or comments for today, drop them on YouTube, tweet at us, or we'll get to them whenever you guys uh, want us to. But uh, excited about today's show because we got a special guest who's going to be joining us throughout the football season. He's in studio with us. He's Joe Sampson, former East Carolina tight end. Just wrapped up his his playing career. You left some eligibility on the table, Joe. So uh, what made you want to, first off, uh, enter this crazy media world and quit playing football? So that's a great question. I think the first thing I have to say is uh, I was kind of thrust into it. Uh, I had always joked about wanting to be a big media star, right. one of those talking heads, as we call them. And then all of a sudden, Patrick Johnson called me on vacation on spring break and was like, hey, you want to do a couple media things? And I was like, yeah, why not? What's the worst thing that happens? You, you fire me, you can me. Uh, I appreciate you saying I'm a special guest. I feel yeah. pretty special now sitting here in this chair. So this is this is an interesting thing to be on the other side. I know obviously we had some conversations, mainly right. just a couple passing words just with trips and everything. But it's good to be here. Good to finally see you this up close and personal. You're a handsome guy, got to well, say. I appreciate that, man. Not too bad looking yourself. So, <laughs> hey, we make a good duo. Uh, for, the, for the few people that are watching on TV instead of listening <laughs> yeah, on the radio. All but, five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, it's, uh, you know, you got a good personality. And you just played the game, uh, you know, playing football. You just wrapped up. So, and I always like getting, you know, because I cover it. I didn't play college football. Right, yeah. You guys have a better insight as to what's going on. I mean, I have sources and I try my best, but I always like getting the, the former student athletes on, especially like we got Macy O'Donnell, who I believe you, you shared a position room yeah, with. Yeah, shout out uh, to the slots. So the slots and tight ends. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a lot of good football discussion for the diehards that enjoy that. Let's first go through your background. You know, I, I know that the fans who follow the program closely will know who you are, but right. those who have not heard of Joe Sampson or Joseph, uh, as it says on your official ECUPirates.com bio. That's, or, that's the government name. Or Joey Football, <laughs> is I guess Patrick Johnson, WS. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, we'll, we'll call you Joe just to, to make it to make it easy. But uh, you just wrapped up your playing career. You're going to grad school now. But take us through your journey, what led you to ECU, kind of your time with the Pirates. So that's, that's a fun story. I, I was kind of sitting around. I uh, was supposed to go to Concord University up in Concord, West Virginia, coal miner town. A total of a uh, thousand kids at that school. Coach Kyle Jolly was the one that recruited me there to be a tight end, which is a fun moniker that we'll get to later. <laughs> uh, was sitting around and then Byron Thweet came around and knew my head coach at high school and asked me if I had any interest in taking a visit for a walk-on weekend, which was scheduled the same as my official visit to Concord. And I was like, yeah, might as well go see what it's about. Sat in a room with uh, Coach Bob Trott. And he kind of asked some questions about defense and personnel and, and about coverages and what routes we should expect and kind of wowed them there. Coach Houston was impressed also, still tells me to this day. Uh, got here in June, two days after my graduation, and just kind of hit the ground running, rehabbing an ankle injury. So started out limited just in that way, and it was a 235-pound nose guard. So there's, there's a lot of 
fun things to talk about with that. And then bulked up. Jeff Hansen told me to come back at 270 or don't bother coming back. So I ate like crazy. Wow. And then all of a sudden COVID hit. Uh, came back as a 285-pound outside linebacker. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, halfway through the season, Coach Houston asked me if I want to be a 290-pound tight end. And the, the rest, as they say, I guess as far as it goes, is history. <laughs> so you, you've pretty much played almost every position besides DB and, and quarterback. No, actually, so that you'd think that. I played safety for a week Wow. Uh, because Navy had this big physical guy my freshman year, number yeah. uh, number one, I can't remember his last name at the top of my head, great player. And they're like, we need you to play safety for a week. Like you're the only guy that kind of matches his stature, yeah, right. if you would. So for you at home, you can figure out what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> Uh, so I played safety for a week. They fired me immediately after the Navy game. And then everything but quarterback. And no, I, I had a snap at uh, fullback, actually, at one point. So even O-line in Navy week. So I've played everything but quarterback. Good stuff. So you got <laughs> you got the true college experience, so to speak. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you went four years as a walk-on. We were talking before, yeah. you know, we, we took the air. It's uh, it's not for the faint of heart, and several no. guys that come in as walk-ons, and you know, obviously you have a goal of earning a scholarship, right? And, and you know, but to, to stick it out, and you, you know, for those that don't understand, that don't go out to practice, when you're running the scout team, you are getting, <laughs> you are going against the best of the best, especially as young guys, so you are yeah. getting it handed to you pretty good. So to stick it out, kind of, kind of take us through the walk-on journey, and I'm sure there were days you're like, man, do I want to keep doing this? And you, but you did stuck it out. You got your degree, and now you're in grad school. Uh, so the only time that ever went through my mind is uh, when we were going. I was going through the transition to move to tight end because I'd never ran like routes or right. understood play concepts or anything because I was always defensive side of the ball guy. But I had a great support system, kind of pushed me through. And then all the guys in the room, Jeremy Lewis when he was the tight end, Zach Bird, Big Bird, shout out to him. Uh, they kind of pushed me. Were like, you can't, you can't give up. Like that's not who you are. We know you. So that was that was only the ever time it crept in my mind. But uh, my first practice, I went out and big Sean Bailey, and you know how big Sean Bailey <laughs> he is, is. Big looks at me and he tells me a story every time. He goes, "You're a nose guard," because <laughs> I was lined up in like a shade on him at guard, right. and and it's 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 a grind for sure. But you have the people around you. I mean, your teammates are the guys that get you through it. We went through it absolute hellstorm on our freshman year summer because they wanted to wean all the guys couldn't right. be here out so shout out to big john for keeping me alive uh but it's just kind of one of those things where who wants it more like are you going to let them tell you you can't do it or are you going to prove them wrong and that's that's kind of always been my moniker to just prove them wrong prove them right do what they say i couldn't do or kind of prove that what they said i could do mm -hmm. so just just kind of that kind of motto but i don't like to talk too much about myself obviously i was one of those walk-ons that they'll talk about now, but I'm not the J.J. Watts or the right. Antonio Browns of the world or even the Tyler Sneeds. Uh, another shout-out to a former Raleigh guy who got a scholarship and kind of was able to make his own mark on the team. So uh, I, I'm glad I'm remembered fondly, but I'm not necessarily one of those super special guys they talk about that proved it all. <laughs> hey, you're our, you're our special guest on Hoist the Colors now. That counts for yeah, something. I, I want that on my little moniker. Special, <laughs> yeah, special guest at the top. Yeah. And now we got we also got to list your next appearance. Uh, we'll, we'll have Clark list every form of position you played on the same oh, graphic. So we won't have to take up space. the entire screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about. So you came in in 19. Yeah. During the really the start of the Mike Houston era. So you, you came with that original class mm -hmm. and you saw the, you know, you missed the Mo days, even though you were recruited, I guess, originally a little bit by the Mo yeah, staff. Yeah, about half and half. So, but you at least got to see the program kind of get resurrected, and there were a lot of uh, 
a lot of tough times early there. So just take us through going through those times. Um, you know, two two losing seasons to start with. COVID thrown in, which probably made twenty twenty seem like it lasted forever, four, four years in itself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, take us through that process and seeing like where the program is now. You got to be pretty proud. Oh, it's it's night and day, and and it's nothing. No disrespect to any of my my former guys that were in there for the three and nine days. They they did what they could, but we were we were building up, and, and you always knew something was next, and and the next step was there, and the turning point was there, and, and we really kind of call it the turning point was that SMU game. Uh, in, in 2020 when we played them and we put all those points up on, on those Mustangs in Dowdy, and that was a special game. You, you kind of felt something shift. Right. We always call it the turning point. I mean, we've got pictures all over the facility just with that game and, and the big celebration afterwards because we knew that was that was the step. But those first two seasons, man, I mean, three and nine, is it's difficult no matter where you are, and especially with, uh, at the time, Houston was a first-year FBS head coach, so there were there were a lot of questions from media and, and other people, and I'm sure even you guys over at Hoist of Colors were like, is this is this the right move? Should he have gone to Charlotte? And, and that's just part of it, and obviously, like, you live and learn, you understand, right. and you can't predict the future, but we, we knew, we kept our head down, we grinded, and then the second season, you kind of feel that the games get a little closer, and, and I've always had the understanding that you lose games close, you win games close, you win games big. That's how you build a program. Right. And and that's kind of how it's been. And I mean, you saw in Coastal, the line was minus seven. We beat them, I think it was 53-29 or something. Yeah. So uh, shout out to the Beach Chickens for that one. Love my <laughs> ring. But uh, You went out on top. I did. I went out a champion. That's exactly right. Me and Holton so. Nailers directing the band while I'm in the background. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got the, I got the video of Holton. I must have missed uh I'm, I'm in the back like this. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, hey, yeah. you always have that, that moment. I do. And two, I mean, it's it, and honestly, it had been so long since ECU's won a bowl game. Yeah. Let alone been to one. People don't realize ECU's had good seasons and weren't able to finish. Mm-hmm. Really, with a, a strong performance in a bowl game, it doesn't. It just leaves kind of a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Of course, the fans, but also the players. So, um, I know that y'all had to feel good celebrating yeah. in that locker room. So, when the military bowl got canceled, I mean, we were furious, like foaming at the mouth right. the whole rest of the season because y- you want it. Like you, you've worked all this time. You've missed Christmas with your family. Like you're with your boys. Like at some point, you need to let it out on somebody and we didn't get that chance against Boston College however it wound up working out but we wanted to win that bowl game against CCU as much as anybody I mean you would have thought the way we were handling it it was the second week off a bye that we were getting ready to play Navy we were disciplined and understood everything and and you still have fun but we blocked out the noise and really just kind of delivered yeah it was a big time performance and I, I know PCU historically has not had success in Alabama bowl games, but that was put to an end uh, <laughs> last year. Um, all right, so, you know, as a former player, you mentioned blocking out the noise. Yeah. But y'all are, you know, I see all y'all on Instagram all the time. <laughs> I know y'all may not be on Twitter as much, but oh, I see all the players on Instagram. Uh, and I don't dabble as much in Instagram, but I have to with my business, Hoist the Colors. Right. You know, how much do y'all hear the noise and a lot of it is nonsense, but like we have yeah. to talk about something. No, and, yeah. Uh, you know how much do y'all try to ignore it, still hear it, and maybe once the games come and you are so busy with practice, mm. it doesn't it doesn't really matter, anyways. You really see it in preseason, especially like with media day. They picked right. ECU to finish sixth again in the conference, and you kind of circle that, and you're like, okay, we know what the rest of the world thinks of us. Now it's time to show what we think of ourselves. But 
you, you hear the ones that get retweeted and picked up and retweeted and picked up. And obviously, shout out to Seattle Seahawks quarterback Holden Ellers. That yeah. feels good to say uh, that he should move to tight end or, <laughs> yeah. or all these different that's things. That's been said a lot. Yeah, that's been said a lot. Or they need to stop handing this guy the ball or stop throwing it to this guy because he's covered. And like, obviously, yeah, we, we see it too. We're watching the right. film. But uh, you, you block that stuff out, but you still kind of take the little chip and you put it onto your shoulder and it starts right. to stack up and build to a big one. But it's not. It's never anything personal. I mean, you understand these people are the same as you, professionals who are doing their job, and that's another thing that people think we're amateur athletes, we're professionals that aren't getting paid is really the best way to put it. And, I mean, the workload, the class schedule, understanding everything and balancing, like, three different lives as far yeah. as football, personal, and school. It's just it's a different world, and you know that media is the same way. Yeah, it's a tough t- tough deal. And, you know, we, we had uh, Hank Hinton on yesterday talking Team Boneyard, which at least – now ECU does have an NIL presence. I guess yeah. he just missed out on. Uh, I heard about that. I also <laughs> heard about the hat thing. I, yeah, I'd like my own without the twenty-five dollar donation. I'm still a broke college kid. Hey, uh, <laughs> Clark has the hat. Maybe he can donate yeah, yours. Clark, uh, it'll cost you, brother. It'll cost you. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, so we we did that show yesterday. I just want to give a shout out to the fans. Um, you know, we've had Woo! probably like double-digit fans who kind of took Hank's message and ran with it as far as do- donating monthly. Well, that's awesome news. Yeah, I mean, so I after the show, I actually went in and I, I donated $100 a month through Hoist of Colors going forward, so we're going to try to get some more players on via the NIL team Boneyard. Mm-hmm. We had several fans who went in, you know, and, and are doing 25 to $100 a month, and that stuff adds up. I mean, so... You know, we've got several subscribers on Hoist of Colors, and I think they listened, and they ended up donating as well. So, ECU still, I think, playing catch-up on NIL, but without Team Boneyard, they'd be in a tough spot. So, at least there is some presence now, oh, I know, as a former player. Absolutely. It's huge. You can just see just the, the change and the seismic shift as far as it went with recruiting and getting these guys out of the portal just to have something like that with the collective. It, it kind of pulls a little more attention into it. I know I, I know three or four guys that were on visits during baseball season with that open window as far as the grad transfers go. And they're like, yeah, like you can feel there's something special in the, the town buying in and just Greenville as a whole being such a huge football town. I mean, you can really feel that even with this collective, people are more and more to try and donate and do the best for these players. And we're going to continue to push that. We'll have Hank on probably like once a month at least because I just feel like people don't know enough about it. No, so absolutely. That's, that's what we're trying to really push and – Hopefully those shows help. All right, let's get our first break in. We'll come back with Joe Sampson. We're going to dive more into what to expect this coming season. I mean, he knows the personnel pretty well. There are a lot of new faces. So maybe I can give you some scouting reports too, so you can give me some uh, on the new guys. A couple of new tight ends look really good uh, mm-hmm. as far as the freshmen. So we'll talk about the offense, what to expect this coming season. New starting quarterback on the other side. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? All right, welcome back into the program Friday, August 18th edition of Hoist the Colors. We are Alex Flynn days away from uh, ECU football. 15 days. We got the countdown going on on hoistthecolors.net, our daily countdown looking at uh, days until the season in correspondence with numbered jerseys for the players. And today is Alex Flynn and Jonathan Jones. Don't want to slight Jonathan Jones. He's the Campbell cornerback transfer who's yeah. going to play a lot this year. He'll so. be exciting too. Exactly. So 15 days away. Two fi- what do you feel about – how do you feel about uh, – we're going to get into some actual football talk here, I promise. <laughs> but the uh, double numbers, man, like – I. I, I you know, I guess there's only so many numbers to go around, obviously. Right. But like, 
everybody I'm, I'm doing these countdowns now like every player one through 15 has the same number or there's you know two guys yeah so it's almost kind of too much it, it feels that way sometimes but I mean you also get limited because right. offensive line and defensive line can only be like Certain D tackles numbers. can be like 60 through I think it's 79 for offensive line and then D line is you can be anything but usually they try and limit that because you got skill guys and the kickers are the ones that take the brunt of it. I mean, right. there are kickers that Andrew Conrad's wearing 95. That is that is wild. Lath is wearing 99. Yeah. Lath's 99. Patrick Nations used to be 99. John Young was 43. Yeah. Uh, just like, there's like, yeah, here's a couple numbers. I feel like here's kickers, especially should be single-digit numbers. Like, it would just look right. I agree. It, it's just, it's odd seeing the double number like that. But now, I mean, even with zero, zero is its own right. new ball game. Do you classify that as like a... <sighs> A true single digit, or is that kind of like one of those 90s where like, yeah. just give it to somebody? But I mean, everybody wants it. Shout out to Jari Patterson. Jari Patterson's He's wearing zero this rocking year, it yeah. now. And yeah, I mean, and you, you have the stipulation too. You don't want two guys that are going to play special teams wearing the same right. number because then you have to, you know, change it. I just saw Jason yeah. Shuford switch from 95 to 40. So I yeah. guess he's going to be on some special teams, I would assume, based yeah, on that. I think he's leaning. Uh, I think he's on field goal for a couple, but he wore forty in high school also. Right. So that number's got a lot of meaning to him when he was uh, playing there. So good, so you, good for him. Excited for him. You were eighty-seven at the end of your career. Did you have multiple number switches? Oh, I was no. I only had two numbers. I was uh, sixty-one when I came in, and for those of you who know ball, sixty-one is just an interesting number to have, <laughs> whether you're a D tackle, a D end, or anything else. And uh, after I switched tight end, Coach Houston goes, "We got to get you out of that number. That's god awful." <laughs> so they threw me eighty-seven, which I'd love eighty-seven. Eighty-seven is a good number. I, they uh, Coach Ellis used to call me Baby Gronk. I like so, that. So like yeah. I switched the first day. I had the eighty-seven. I goes, "Okay, Baby Gronk, I see you." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, that's that's got to stay forever now." So eighty-seven I, stuck around. I do miss Steve Ellis barking at practice. I would oh. walk out there. He'd be barking at his DBs or <laughs> offensive players or something. I guess he's now doing that at Louisville, talking he's, about sharks. Yeah, he's got to be. We we sat in the first meeting, and I got to tell this story. He comes in, and he's like, all right, like here's our new uh, defensive back coach, Coach Ellis, because Coach Lynch had left for the Cleveland job with the Browns. And he goes, I have to tell y'all, you ever seen a catfish in a shark tank? And we're like, <laughs> what does that even mean? He goes, you know what a shark says? And we're like, no. He goes, oh. And we're like, what he goes exactly baby and then he walks out of the room we're like okay well, there's our new corner that's coach. that's the steve ellis experience for you in 30 seconds that feels very steve <laughs> ellis steve ellis like i mean I, I i talked to him multiple times and you you can see it yeah exactly that's steve ellis hopefully he's doing well at louisville and yeah. uh you know big big things uh glad mm -hmm. he's moving on and excited about new corners coach jules montanar all right let's 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 talk some football I had to ask you something else, uh, non-football related, but we'll get to that later. Understandable. It, it slipped my mind, so uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk football for the people listening. All right, so this offense, you, you've worked with this offense now for the past two years yeah. uh, at least, and so you know a lot of this personnel. Before we get into the quarterback conversation, just you know, when I'm out of practice, I feel like the talent offensively and the depth is still good. It's just mm -hmm. people don't maybe know the names right. unless they're following recruiting, like which we do in Hoist of Colors, or they're out of practice. So... How do you feel about just the overall offensive personnel before we get into the, the quarterback discussion? If I have to put it into a word, I'd say fast. This is probably the fastest group yeah. we've ever had just as far as top to bottom, whether it's receivers to running backs or even, even the slots and the tight ends. I mean, these guys are just fast, much faster than I was when I played. Um, I don't know. You were pretty fast in 61. 
<laughs> look like a white blur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but these these guys are fast, shifty. I mean, incredible first steps, as we talked about. And I'm really looking forward to just seeing like the deep threat now. And we'll talk about this with the quarterbacks. Right. But Mason getting that ball deep to them so they can get out and run. I mean, Josiah Hatfield's one guy who's going to be crazy fast. Jarrett Garner's one guy we haven't seen a ton of. He is a, a just a, a speedster as far as that goes. Once he gets going, he is gone. I mean, Jerry Patterson is shifty. Jalen Johnson is shifty. Even even Shane Calhoun's got some wheels on it. Yeah. You, you wouldn't know it looking at his frame. Right. I mean, shout out to my boy Shane, but he's he's a fast guy. So I, I think they're fast. I think that's going to be the exciting thing. Javis Bond. I mean, we saw him rip off how many in the spring game and just in the spring scrimmages. He is he is quick. He is. And uh, I, I hate comparing guys because like I don't want to say he's Keaton Mitchell, but he just I, I'll say early on he reminds me of how Keaton looked his freshman yeah, year. That's, that's like, that kind of type of player. Exactly. Like a little like, lightning blow. He's got he got that. Yeah. He's got that. Quick and he's not just fast, but he's he's shifty too. Like he mm-hmm. jukes. I mean, he makes guys miss, and that's the thing. Like you can be fast. There's a lot of track players that play football, but they right. can't make anybody miss. No, we so, had that conversation. <laughs> yeah, Javius Bond is 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 one of those guys who can make guys miss. So, yeah. um, looking forward to seeing what he can do again. Freshman don't want to put too much on him. Right. Uh, you know he'll have to adjust to to Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's what's that D tackle's name? The mutant. Oh God, they've got. They've got like four dudes who just are going to play in the NFL. So. Yeah, there was one guy that broke one of the machines in the weight room. They oh had to send them a custom one so he wouldn't break just so it. So he wouldn't so. break it. Yeah, that's, an that's incredible. That's, that's fun. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk a lot of Michigan obviously in the coming days right. as well. Um, all right, so let's talk quarterback. Ooh. Two guys that I feel really good about, honestly, Joe, is that like Mason Garcia and yeah. Alex Smith have both been waiting for this moment. So I feel like they're prepared mentally. Now they just got to go play. And, and, and the, there's a quarterback competition. But, mm. you know, I, I expect Mason Garcia to be the guy to start with. And physically, I don't think you could, like, if you had to draw up a quarterback, you couldn't draw up a better you, prospect. You not. So t- take us through what you've seen from Mason in the past where he's grown. So Mason is a physical specimen. And, and when I say that, I mean he's this big six foot five, 260-pound quarterback, but he's lean. Like, you're 260, you get worried. Like, okay, maybe he's a little bulky. No, he's lean. He can run. He can move. His ability to get outside of the pocket and throw on the run is anything, unlike anything I've ever seen in person, just just the way he can kind of put that ball wherever he needs to. But where he's really grown in the past coming years is understanding where the ball needs to go based on the coverages and, and based on what the play's calling for and the concepts and, and where to read it. Because for a very long time, he was just kind of throwing it where he could. And you can do that when you have that arm, but that's the same thing Brett Favre ran into an issue when he was early in his career. He was like, I can make that throw, but it doesn't always mean you should make that throw. So he's really kind of grown not only just as a person, but as a quarterback and understanding not just to be a thrower, but to be a cerebral and know the concepts and know the coverages and know where the ball is supposed to go. Yeah, I mean, and I thought there's been times this preseason where like I've gone to practice and you know, we get only so much of a look at the live team on te- team right. segments for obvious reasons because they're all running like plays and you know personnel and all yeah. that stuff. Like they only want so much information out there. But his ability to process, all right, they're doing this coverage in this situation, mm-hmm. and he's going through his reads. You know, in the past we saw maybe he only stuck to his first read or ran, and he's going through his progressions much better. Um, and so I think he's made a jump. I know he didn't play as much or as good as he wanted to this past weekend in the scrimmage. I expect him to play better this coming weekend. Um, and then let's, let's talk about Alex Flynn, and then we'll talk maybe about how these guys will differ as far as how the offense runs. Yeah. So Flynn just 
fifth year guy. We were saying earlier, like, what what do you, what yeah. classification even is he? I guess he's what, a what fifth year him? junior. Okay, because he's redshirted and he had a COVID year. Right. He's graduated. He's mm-hmm. holding off on med school so he could you know continue yeah. this. Con- Doctor uh, Flynn. <laughs> Doctor Flynn is in the the battle with the specimen uh, Mason <laughs> Garcia. Um, so and, and honestly, he is kind of like a surgeon. Like he knows yeah. where to go. Short pass here, short pass there. Like that's how decisive. Yeah. So what do you see from him? He he's the same guy we talked about as far as like knowing what the concepts is. But he's been that since he came in. I mean, we were on the scout team, and they'd have to be like, "Hey, throw a pick, right? Like stop doing this. Stop dissecting. Throw us. the ball up in the air and let them go intercept it. Because he'd be like, "No, this guy's open. That guy's open. This is cover three. So I have this underneath route." And that's just kind of the guy he's always been, and that's how he is when you watch film with him, when you get the pre-install packet with him, and when you sit there and he's on the whiteboard, you you know exactly where the ball's going to go before you get out there because he's like, this is what's going to happen. This guy's going to drop. This guy's going to be in the spot. So he's a completely different quarterback from Mason, and that's not a bad thing. You just have two different types of guys. But Flynn is very much, okay, one's not there, go to two. Two's not there, go to three. Four's not there, go to four. And if nothing's there, he throws it away or he tucks it and he runs. Like, he's not – it's not a bad thing. He's just not that big play guy who's going to roll out, throw it across his body into traffic and get it 65 yards down the field while the guy's still running. He's going to take the 10-yard completion and extend the drive. And that's just kind of the two different types you see these right. days. But I think he's just like that cerebral, I know what you're going to do before you do, here's your blitz look kind of guy. And I, I do feel like, and I know that maybe this sounds like coach speak, but I, I do feel like ECU could go either direction and, right. and have success with both mm-hmm. and in different ways. I just think with Mason's ability to run and with some unknowns at receiver, especially having like a big, true physical number yeah. one guy, I think this offense, at least to start with, is going to be built more around running the football and play action. And to me, Mason gives you so much more upside there because I don't think people realize how good of a runner he is at his size. So how do you maybe see the offense being different from from last year if they go Mason? So I'd expect more, and this is no slight on my boy Holton. Shout out to the lefty. Um, I expect more deep routes. I'd expect more posts, more go balls, more of those double moves and everything because he's got that kind of that throw. Uh, look for more backside routes too instead of just those little quick slants those quick hitches kind of something to open it up and spread the defense out and give them more running lanes but also look for some like some quarterback power maybe a quarterback read option just even if it's with Rajay or Gunn or Gerald Green is another guy we haven't even mentioned yet uh, just to kind of get him out in the open get him in space because he's a playmaker I mean he's shifty he's at that size, it's crazy to say, but he's mobile. Like he moves really well in space. It'll be interesting to see, especially when he falls for first downs for five right. yards. I almost feel like, yeah, if you get in a goal line situation, mm-hmm. and you know, Rajay is is a great goal line running back. He's proven that. We're, we're still waiting for Marlin, even though he's a big dude, to find the end zone. <laughs> Maceo uh, always Maceo Donna gives him uh, some, yeah, some we flack for that. Brief, yeah. He's trying to find the end zone for the first time in his career, but eventually, I think he'll be a good goal line back. But I almost think if you want to get that extra blocker, Mason Garcia quarterback power is a heck of a play near oh, the goal line right absolutely. now. Absolutely. We had a package, I think it was two years ago, where uh, Mason did that, where yeah. he lined up. We had two quarterbacks in the backfield, and then the, I want to say it was Rajay, and then there was true quarterback power with two blockers, like right. an old-school ISO you'd see from like Nebraska back in the 80s. But, um, yeah, I mean, anytime you can get that kind of size, and, I mean, the Steelers did it for years with Big Ben, right. just a big guy just to fall for it and – uh, Cam Newton's obviously the most recent example of just kind of diving over the line, but even if he's reaching over at his six foot five frame, he can just poke the ball in the end zone. 
I've been so I covered the Panthers from 15 to 18. So I, I've been in the same room with Cam Newton, and right. Mason might honestly be just as big. Like, he he might is, is and just as athletic in many ways. So yeah. uh, again, you know, not trying to say he's Cam Newton, but just no, in but terms of the physical stature, if you tried to give him an archetype. Yeah, exactly. He would be the guy. So. Um, the other factor is, too, if you go with Mason Garcia, which, again, I expect him to, to start the season with Mason as the starter, how do you balance, if you're the coaches, you, you got to keep him healthy, too. Like You can't just run him 20 right. times a game. Like, Holton's freshman year, I guess, <laughs> so that would have been before you got here. That was the year before I got here, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like the whole offense was quarterback power. <laughs> yeah, it was like he would have, like, 18 to 25 rushing attempts a game and, like, 40 passing attempts. And by the end of that year, he was yeah. just beaten. So, there is a balance, uh, and how do you strike that balance for the coaches? That's that's a great thing. I mean, when you've got two really talented running backs, at least just that we know of, that we've seen right. before with the ability to kind of take some of that burden off and, and do some RPOs and kind of you protect him with the throws as far as that goes. Because uh, if he runs for a big 60-yard pass and he hands the ball off, and, I mean, it gets him a playoff, which you never want to use that phrase in football. But when you're a big mobile quarterback like that and you're throwing with everything you've got, sometimes you need to – hand the ball right. off. Sometimes you need to do a little pitch out and, and a little screen just to kind of catch your wind about you. And Coach Kirkpatrick does a great job at understanding when the quarterback like needs one or when we can kind of go for this draw here. Okay, it's, it's second and short. We just got a big chunk play. Maybe we, we go for a little tight screen here, try and get everybody a couple steps. And I, I think that's really one of the more impressive things that you can learn how to do as a coach and just understand that. He is former ECU tight end, nose tackle, defensive end, outside linebacker, safety, Joe Sampson. Uh, did, yeah. I, did I forget any positions? No, I think that's it. All right. He is uh, <laughs> former ECU football player, Joe Sampson. Uh, we'll, we'll take our second break. We'll be back. actually got our lock of the week, our Anson Belt and Buckle lock of the week I need to get to on the other side. We'll do that. We'll continue our offensive preview for the coming season. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yes! That was so good! 194.3, the game. All right, welcome back into the show. Friday, August 18th edition of Hoist the Colors. Joe Sampson making his Hoist the Colors debut. Ooh, you've been killing it, man. Feels good. Yeah, you've been doing a good job. We're going to have him, it looks like, every Friday, at least once a week, maybe multiple times per week, depending on how much we, we need to call to the bullpen. So. Oh, yeah. Good thing I didn't get fired yet. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing well. You're doing well. Hey, but you still got... 24 minutes yeah so you could Here we know, go. by every, the end of the show you could oof. get fired you never know every second counts exactly so <laughs> all right we got to get to our anson belt and buckle lock of the wheat thank anson belt and buckle for their their sponsorship of the programs all right so here's the deal so my lock of the week is, is pretty simple i'm not going to make any stat predictions yet or any player predictions but i am going to make a scrimmage prediction because we are still in the preseason Joe. we are we are and the first preseason scrimmage you, you've been around long enough to know that the narrative is always usually the defense is a little head yep. and you know it's a little choppy like first preseason scrimmage inside the stadium mm-hmm. some nerves a bunch of new guys a bunch of new rotations so a little choppy all right second preseason scrimmage coming up tomorrow it's closed to the public close to fans mm-hmm. close to parents mm-hmm. My lock of the week is the the second preseason scrimmage is going to go near perfect. Yeah. There's going to be some mistakes, but it's going to be sold as, hey, we got everything we needed to do done. Offense look great. Quarterbacks look great. Very few turnovers. Very few missed tackles. It's going to go near perfect. That's my lock of the week. 
and some belt and buckle because that's how it usually goes in the preseason. That is. You have the choppy scrimmage mm-hmm. and you have the good scrimmage, and then you got game prep. So uh, that's where I'm going for my lock of the week. Do you have? Do you want to? Do you want to participate in this? I'd love to. I have a yeah. double, double answer, double answer. lock of the week. Wow. Actually, I'm going to take uh, Keaton Mitchell preseason anytime touchdown. There you go. And I'm going to take Holt Naylor's preseason anytime second touchdown. Shout out to my boys doing just great things so far from what I've heard out of training camp. Uh, Isaiah Winstead out in San Francisco. Blake Prohl, obviously former Pirate, up in uh, Minnesota. And then I mean all those different guys. Deontay Smooth got a good bit of chunk of change yeah. as far as that yeah, goes like zay snaps. jones yeah he's, he's looking good dude uh zay jones looks great down in jacksonville we knew that already he is who we thought he was uh ryan jones up in new york just just all these different guys with great opportunities absolutely anson belt lock of the week so joe sampson's going anytime touchdown for holton and keaton for holton. i'm going bounce back scrimmage we're going to hear about how great the scrimmage is uh, tomorrow's media day. Lock of the yeah. Week presented by Anson Belt and Buckle. Are you game day ready? Visit AnsonBelt.com backslash ECU and check out their great collection of holeless belts, including ECU officially licensed buckles. Anson Belt and Buckle, the official belt of ECU athletics. All right, so appreciate Anson Belt and Buckle. We'll have our Lock of the Week every Friday. So if you're going to be with us, we're going to have your, your lock of the week, too, right? Yeah, i gotta got to start getting them ready, I guess. <laughs> so uh, the real question is, yeah, going into Michigan, we're going to have to make some some lock picks. Oh, so yeah. So that's going to be, uh, are you going to take the Pirates to win? It's the real question of the lock. I'm you always get, going to take the Pirates to win. There you go. I, I got too much media bias. I'll tell people straight at home, I will always think the Pirates have a chance. That's what I love about the former players is, like, <laughs> you look at it from a player mindset. You yeah. don't go into a game – thinking oh are we gonna cover or are we gonna you know nah. keep this thing close you expect to win and I, honestly i'm not gonna say ecu's gonna go up to the big house and win but like ecu football historically these are the games they kind of rise to the occasion mm-hmm. and historically I, especially yeah. there's not gonna be any there's not gonna be any scared pirates i don't mm-hmm. think going into that game so you circle it you yeah, know absolutely the big house it'll it'll be rocking we'll be there it'll be fun on uh, september 2nd all right let's continue with our offensive preview Joe Sampson, former ECU football player slash multi-position athlete. Is that is that where we want to go? Do you want athlete? to call me athlete? Yeah, athlete. I'll take it. Put it on my LinkedIn. There you go. <laughs> former ECU football athlete. Uh, he is Joe Sampson in studio making his HTC debut. All right, so we talk quarterbacks. And, I, you know, I kind of feel like this offense is going to be built around the running game early. And Always I think is. That, yeah, I mean, the in the running back room, Rajay, I don't know if you've been able to see him at all this preseason, Joe, but he looks great, man. He, he doesn't like he's honestly Good. been injured. Um, and we, we know Marlon Gunn is a hoss. Uh, he's the big boy. Grown man. He is. <laughs> I would not want to try to tackle him, man. Uh but Gerald Green, Georgia Southern transfer, has mm-hmm. been kind of flying on the radar. He's a really good back. Javius Bond as well uh, is the freshman we talked about. So those are the four I see. You also have Camaro Edmonds and Pop McKay in yeah. the room. What, what do you expect from this running back room? I expect a lot. I, I expect them to be early on, especially uh, carried by committee, which for yeah. those of you who don't follow a lot of football, it means every single running back gets a certain number of carries. It's not necessarily a three-down back or a one a one B kind of situation. Everybody kind of contributes um, because you kind of try and find that footing, and that's how it was that freshman year with Keaton and Rajay. And Rajay wound up taking the bulk of the carries towards the back half, but we all know who Keaton Mitchell is now. But uh, don't be surprised if the running back who gets the most carries in Michigan isn't the workhorse or anything like that. I mean, we've got so many talented guys in that room. We mentioned Marlon Gunn, who if he wouldn't have ran into that guy against Campbell, would have scored. 
But uh, he really did have a wide open field, and he ran he into just the one guy. Seeks contact. Yeah. I'm still mad at you, Gun. <laughs> uh, Rajay, we know who he is, Mister Icy. He's going to score a ton and, and do what he has to do with the football. But yeah, Gerald Green, some great productive seasons. I mean, obviously, Coach Foster and him have a great relationship. It's kind of why you bring him in. You know the kind of guy he is. But Bond. Mr. Javius Bond is, is that that lightning bug we talked about, that Darren Sproles kind of guy who can do anything in the pass game, do anything out of the backfield. He's going to be that guy. He's yeah. going to be the one that's that speed threat you need. And I love you to death, Icy. You're not as fast as this kid. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he is quick. He's a speedster. Like That's what I expect is that kind of committee thing until they settle on that one-two lightning thunder approach. Yeah, and I think definitely – I, with Javius, I feel like they're going to throw him into the fire yeah. and see what he can handle and go from there. Um, and it sounds like he's going to do some punt and kick return. He's been working with punt return with mm-hmm. Brock Spalding, Josh Murphy. So, um, <laughs> The boys. Yeah, the boys. Uh, we'll see who, who emerges there. All right, receiver-wise, we talked about the speed earlier. I feel good about the speed. Mm. Josiah Hatfield, fast, maybe the only guy who can catch Keaton Mitchell in a race. Yeah. Um, Kerry King, also fast. Maybe people don't know as much mm-hmm. about him at this point. Uh, you know, we talked about Jarrett Garner, who's a big dude and can run. Yeah. And so for me, like, I, and Jari Patterson, Brock Spalding, Jari's had an awesome preseason. He's mm-hmm. moving around, doing a lot of different things. So I look at the receivers. I didn't mention Calhoun or Jalen Johnson. They're also in there, too. And they'll yeah, be, not, not yet. Yeah. They'll obviously be like <laughs> top guys, but always. Um, like, I like the receivers, and I feel like they're all going to be solid pass catchers, but you don't have that, like, alpha guy who has emerged yet like six three six four hey if it's third and ten or if it's a if it's a fade ball we're gonna yeah, throw ball's him going ball. up to him mm-hmm. so is there a guy who can emerge there or is this just going to be more of a faster shiftier receiver room so there are two names come to mind uh Jarrett garner is is the first one you think he's been here before you've seen his size you've seen what he can do with the football but chase soul the transfer from colorado he's a big kid yeah and, and people may not see that just between pictures or when he stands next to some of these other offensive linemen. Even I look small. He, he's a big kid, so he could be that guy at that Z or that X on the backside that you need that you throw the goal line fade to or that Mason kind of finds, and he becomes that right. kind of one-two punch like we had between Holton and Cinco or even Isaiah Winstead last year. Yeah. But I, I would expect those two big physical guys, but don't sleep on, on Kerry King now. Even though he's a small guy, he can go get that football. Yeah, And we've seen that before. We saw it in I mean, plenty of scrimmages and spring games and hasn't really gotten that opportunity in the, the high red zone yet. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's that guy either. And I, I'm really interested to see what the receiver rotations look like because mm-hmm. when they started camp, it was – you know they moved Jalen Johnson to slots. Right. He played you know the the more the Z last year the outside spot and you know obviously you had Brock at the slot working behind him. You had Jari at the slot working behind him. But it sounds like all three of those guys are good enough to play. Oh, absolutely. So you got to move them around to get them on the field. So you know Kerry has been in the slot in the past. I you know he's mm-hmm. been working more outside. Josiah's been in the slot in the past. So like <laughs> it's like how is this thing going to look on opening day? Are they going to go Josiah? You know Calhoun at tight end, Johnson, and then Jari on the outside. It's mm-hmm. just, I'm fascinated by that as a former player. Like, are you kind of excited to see all that? I, I'm so excited to see it. Now, I'll tell you, we'll we will have no idea what Donnie K is cooking yet. Right. <laughs> we will know that first nav against Michigan. What personnel is rolling out? Could be uh, roadrunner personnel. Could be cheetah personnel. Could be anything that is that speed threat. Could be jumbo right. personnel with a, a 12 set because they want to run the ball early against that big physical Michigan front. But we have, we have no idea what's going to happen yet. I mean, Jari could bump out to the outside like he did a couple 
couple times. JJ could go out to the outside, but slots where he played at Georgia, so that's where he feels most comfortable. All of them can do it all. And the way they teach that, especially Coach Aaron Hour now taking over with the slots and the tight ends, he always taught us the whole concept. Right. So as soon as you put the concept up there out of the formation, you take the letters out. Everybody knows everything. You could put the tight end on the outside. You could put the tight end on the inside. The inside guy can play outside and swap it and get a, a matchup. And that's really what's going to separate these guys in from now from what it was in the past. And last year did a great job, but now we're passing the baton. So tight ends, Shane Calhoun, one of my favorite guys on the team because I feel like he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He's pretty quiet, uh, <laughs> at least when we talk to him. Like He's he's already got the coach speak down. You need to tell him to, to open up a little bit. That's so. Mr. Personality. What are you talking about? <laughs> Shane Calhoun. But look, uh, the thing about him is, man, and he doesn't get the most separation as a route runner, but every time the ball hits his hands, he's making the catch. I don't think I've seen him drop one. So like, I'm always like, throw Shane Calhoun the ball. I don't care if he's covered. <laughs> Unless he's just smothered, he needs to get the ball because no, he's going to catch. Still throw it to him. He's going to get it. Yeah, uh, he, he's been that way since he came in. He started as a a true freshman for Coach Fontel Mines. He's now at VT, but we knew when Shane came in, uh, they ripped his jersey the first day. And Mines said, "That doesn't matter. Still go catch that football." Right. And I think that was the first time I saw him drop one in practice, and I don't think I've seen many since. Maybe one or two with a wet ball right. or a DB tackling him through the football, and he, he still hits the ground with it. But that's that's Shane Calhoun for you. I mean, he goes, he'll get the ball no matter where it is. He'll. We saw it against Marshall when they threw that slot fade to him at the forty, and he just kind of came down with it all of a sudden. He's he's a contested catch guy. He's got sticky hands, and he's a he's elusive now. You, yeah. you may not see it with that big frame, and he may get hawked down by some of those other DBs. That's right, I'm talking to you through the camera. <laughs> but uh, he's he's a shifty guy. He moves well, and and he'll be somebody that when he gets the ball out in space, he'll know where to go with it. So Tyler Savage, uh, unfortunately, a little banged up in the most yeah. recent scrimmage. The good news is he avoided a you know a season-ending injury, so good. he will be I'm glad back. to hear it. Um, so he will be shell for the time being. But I, I'm telling you, I don't know how much you've seen these guys. The freshman Antonio Ferguson, I think he's listed at like six five two fifty five. I still think that's too small. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, he is. And he's he was pushing some upperclassmen around in practice from a blocking perspective. And also Desirio Riles, late flip from Indiana. Mm-hmm. I think both these guys are going to play. Have you been able to see him at all? So I haven't gotten to see a ton of them in person. Obviously, they weren't here in the spring as much as we covered. And mm-hmm. you only get so much access right. as far as media. And I'm sure you know that. But uh, Antonio Ferguson is is going to be one of those guys and i haven't seen a ton from the the kid that flipped from indiana yet and i'm excited to see what he does but i've heard great things but ferguson is that big physical guy so i mean if if you want to put shane calhoun out in the the slot there and you want to hide him with antonio ferguson there's nothing wrong with that either because you're making a mistake covering one of them you got to pick one and and look for those two big guys to kind of run the ball inside too off of them with a little wing action or a little power out. Just any of those things that in the past you might have seen a Jarman or a Zach Bird combo or anything like that. And that'll be the big physical downforce. He is Joe Sampson. Let's get our final break in. We got uh, we got to get some O-line talk in, so we'll do that Ooh, on the other side. Hoist the colors. Boys. 94-3 the game. What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors 94.3 The Game, uh, a football Friday edition. So we do have preseason football. I think Deontay Smith and the Bengals are in action tonight, and then everybody's in action Saturday and Big Sunday. Smooth? 
Big smooth. It's an important preseason for him, man. I know he's got yeah. to he's got to do well to mm-hmm. continue to lock down that roster spot, but he he did well in the preseason opener. So that's a good sign. All right, we got a couple minutes left. We we're running through offense today with Joe Sampson. Uh, former East Carolina tight end slash athlete. And uh, I guess we'll call it Joey Football Fridays from here on out as you join us. Ooh. Do you like Joey Football? Or is, I, li- need- I like Joey Football. Okay, I jo- got to be honest. Uh, everybody on my girlfriend's uh, side of her family all calls me Joey. So the first time Patrick's like, Joey Football, I was like, that'll, that'll play. There you go. So Joey Football Friday we're wrapping up here. I uh, got a couple minutes left. We, we've, we have not talked offensive line. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've – officially spent any scout team time as an offensive lineman but two weeks two weeks uh, there you go there's another maybe position. week every year <laughs> if you're a walk-on i pray for you yeah that's well hopefully we can win that game i i think I, I feel good about it i mean the first year head coach you never want to count navy out by yeah. any means and we'll, we'll preview that as it gets to it but i feel like coach harrell's a good oh, understanding right. of how to stop the option i think y'all improved against it every year it's just mm-hmm. like making the plays to win the game or whatever yeah so. can't come down to and this is no slight anybody yeah. you, you can't ever put yourself in a position to win by a field goal right. gotta, gotta put the ball away and win the fourth no matter what it is no doubt all right let's talk our line real quick a lot of new guys yes um and you know dustin hall south florida transfer comes over with alan mm-hmm. Mobridge, offensive right. line new offensive line coach He's been working some at center. Hampton Ergel has been working at center and tackle. There's a yeah. lot of moving parts here. What do you make of this this O line? I think it's it's early on, but you want everybody to be versatile. Yeah. I mean, for Big Moose Hampton Ergel to be able to go out there and, and play right tackle gives you the ability to kind of carry more linemen because all of a sudden, okay, we don't need to carry somebody who can only play as a backup right tackle or right. something like that. And, and just versatility is the name of the game. I mean, Trent Holler, who played here for a couple of years, was a, a center and a guard. And Ashad Strether, we know, is a center guard and tackle. He's at Oregon now. So the, the name of the game is versatility for offensive line and for Parker to now be able to entrench himself in that left tackle spot as, a, as the blindside guy. And we can now have a Walt Stribling kind of resurgence if he wants to back up at left tackle also. We, we got all these different guys with, say, and Foot and Richard Pierce and all these interior guys who now are opened up to kind of go different spots because we can carry a backup center that isn't Hampton Urgle. I feel pretty good about seven, eight guys, basically yeah. we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And there's one concern I have is tackle depth. Uh, and they, and I think moving Urgle is part of that. Right. So do you feel like just if he can handle that position, it kind of solidifies everything? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it does, and I think that shows the amount of trust that Coach Mo has with him, especially right. now as early as it's been. But if you're like, "Hey, Ergel, I know you can play center, but can you go play some tackle for us? Because that's what we need." That that really shows the versatility for Ergel as well as just the trust that Houston and Mo have for him now in this spot. All right, well, he's Joe Sampson. We're nearing the end of the, our, our time today. Well, Joe, this has been fun, man. First, uh, first show you knocked out of the park. You Thanks will not be me. fired. <laughs> just to let you know, you there will be back. I'm inviting you back next week. Are you going to be at Media Day tomorrow? I, I believe so. You tell me. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> Everybody else is coming. Clark's maybe Full not going to be there. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, Clark Willis producing all week long. Thanks, uh, Joe. Thanks again, man, for hanging out. And we'll see you next week. Go Pirates. He's Joe Sampson. I'm Stephen Igo. This has been Hoist the Colors. We'll talk to you guys on Monday at 12 noon. We'll see you then.
This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 the game.